You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Uh, hey, how's it going? My name's Mark. It's good to be here. Like Todd said, um, I was a church planning resident here about seven years ago. We planted a church, and I am forever grateful for Providence Church. Uh, I love our church, um, Trinity. I love the people in it. I love to see how God works in people's lives through it. Um, and so I'm so thankful for you. Our church just simply would not exist if it wasn't for Providence Church. Um, you raised us up, you sent us out, and there is a gospel preaching church in South Austin because of you. So thank you. Um, uh, we have been, like Todd said, we've been preaching through the book of Luke, and the passage that we just read, I love it too. Uh, this is an amazing, kind of famous story about a fat Pharisee and a tax collector, this kind of like polar opposite guys, um, and we get the window into their prayer life and Jesus' comments on it. And this passage is really answering one of, if not the most important question. How is a person made right with God? How are we made right with God? How are we justified? How are we declared righteous? Which relates, I mean, that's kind of a big sounding question there. Um, But I think it relates with a very relevant heart level question that I think that we all kind of wrestle with every day. And it's the question of, am I acceptable? Am I important? Do I matter? Am I valuable? Like, what is my life worth? And, you know, I think about it, it's like if we, when we watch our conversations with people, You know, it's just comical sometimes how in so many, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, hopefully you can relate. So many of my conversations can sometimes have these dynamics where I'm throwing things in there, you know, to try to impress, to try to cut the corner on, you know, making the person think I'm somebody. You know, we we kind of put up, put off this air that we're, we're these important people, but then behind closed doors, we then ask the question, but am I? You know, it's like we want people to think we're important, but then we're questioning it behind closed doors. Like, what, what is up with that? Well, it just gets at the heart that um, there's something wrong. There's something off. We long for this declaration that you're approved, you're good, you're righteous, you're justified. And I would submit that until we hear that from God, we'll be searching, searching hard. You know, the whole book of Luke Um, there's these uh, reversals, these just interesting reversals through the whole thing when you kind of zoom out and look at the whole book, um, kind of answering the question, who is acceptable? You know, who is righteous? Who is justified before God? You see the humble virgin at the beginning. The humble virgin bears the Messiah, not the the queen or the princess. Um, The birth is revealed to shepherds who were like trash men. The poor, the hungry, and those who weeping, those weeping and hated are blessed instead of the rich, the full, and the happy. The centurion, who's an outcast, you know, according to the Israelites, he's from another race, has greater faith than Jesus says all of Israel. The sinful woman is forgiven instead of the Pharisee. The Samaritan is the one who shows mercy instead of the priest. The rich man in this life will not have treasure in the next. 
while the poor man will. The prodigal receives God's forgiveness instead of the good older brother. Lazarus receives an eternal reward instead of the rich man. In all of these stories, it's just not what you expect. Jesus just keeps over and over again encountering with the people that are acceptable in God's eyes end up being the ones you don't expect. It's like this great reversal. And in this story, we see it again. We see it again in this story. And so three questions I'm gonna ask and try to answer here. Um, What is self-righteousness? What does self-righteousness do? And why do we need God's righteousness? And when we say righteous, we mean to be right with God. What does it mean to be right with God? And what is self-righteousness and how does it hurt us? So in the parable, you see that Jesus, in a sense, defines self-righteousness when he says that this one person, this religious leader type, trusted in himself that he was righteous. He trusted in himself that he was righteous. And number two, the other side of the coin, he treated others with contempt. He trusted that he in himself was righteous. And on the other side of the coin, he treated others with contempt. So what is self-righteousness? It's this, when our righteousness, our, what makes us approved, what makes us matter to the Lord or to ourselves, it comes from within ourselves. We can produce it through our works and through our performance, which then results in a contempt for other people. The Pharisee we see, um, he stands by himself. He stands far off by himself, presumably to avoid defilement from the tax collector who's down here. He's up here, he's up above. This guy's down here, down below, and he's gonna stand far away. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give tithes of all that I get. In this passage, we see that he uses the word I five times. I, 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 I. The source of his right standing is I, me, who I am, what I do. And then we contrast this with the tax collector. He, standing far off, would not lift his eyes up to heaven. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beats his breast. You know, there's this like sense of like, there's something in him that needs to be removed. A beating of the breast. And he looks where? He looks to God's mercy as his source of righteousness. He says to God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, seems simple enough. Um, I would say at its core, self-righteousness is looking to ourself for our rightness versus God's mercy. We look to ourself for our righteousness and our rightness versus God's mercy. Self-righteousness says, God loves me because I am so valuable. The source is me. Repentance, what the tax collector is doing, says, I'm valuable because God loves me. 
Self-righteousness says the origin of my righteousness is me and my performance. Repentance says the origin of my righteousness is God. He gives what's undeserved. Mercy is undeserved kindness. It's I deserve punishment, but then I'm released and I don't get punished. It's a recognition that with my actions and through my performance, I actually deserve punishment. But instead, God lets me go. And we'll explain how he does that later. Um, Self-righteousness is found by pointing down at those under you. And God's righteousness is found by opening, opening up your hands and receiving mercy. Receiving mercy. And one way I've seen this play out with my kids recently, I have a a seven-year-old, Harper, a girl, Haddon, a five-year-old, and Ryland, a three-year-old. Um, I think they're beautiful, but uh, Haddon and Ryland, um, they are Haddon and Harper, the two oldest, share a room. And so, you know, Megan and I and my wife take turns, you know, at different nights reading stories and doing the whole bedtime routine. And uh, this one night, uh, Megan was off with her GC, and so I'm putting the kids to bed. And Harper got her first, she's in first grade, got her first progress report. I call it a progress report. They call it a, a uh, show what you know. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> show what you know. We're trying to avoid a standard. I mean, there's, you're either you show what you know and now you know nothing. I mean, there's, you can't avoid a standard. So anyways, I called it a progress report. And uh, I'm like, let's read. And so it's just a paragraph. And the teacher like writes something out. And I'm bragging on Harper, you know. And so I'm like, Harper, you want to hear your progress report? And uh, she's like, what's that? This is her first time ever, I think, as a student hearing a grade, right? And so I just read this description and it's really good. It's glowing. I mean, it's just like all these encouraging things and positive things that she's doing. And as I'm reading it, it just hits me like, whoa, this is like really affecting her. Like in a good way. I, I, I'm thinking a good way. She's just like hearing it and like, like this smile and this just like you know, glowing, like, oh, wow, I have this amazing report, you know, <laughs> you know? And so as I'm reading it, her brother, who's in preschool, <laughs> he responds to this and he kind of like reacts and kind of shouts out, well, I got a good progress report too. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, no, no, Hat, you, you actually haven't gotten one yet. And, and as, before I can even finish saying that, um, you know, Harper reacts and says, no, mine's better. You know? And then he's like, no, my progress report is better. <laughs> it's like this, this bickering thing where all of a sudden this positive word has become this argument of who's better and who's worse and kind of like now condemning one another. And I'm just thinking it was right when we were, I was writing this the first time. And I'm just like, self-righteousness just displaying itself at this, you know, first grade level. It's hilarious. What is that? Like, what is it about us that like good things that we may do that are good? We just like our heart just kind of latches onto it in this way to like give ourselves this importance. And then we immediately turn and are like, and I'm better. And I look down on this person with contempt. I mean, it's just fascinating. Just the profoundness of Jesus's simple parable, how it plays out in all of our lives. See, I think, well, let's get to the next point. It doesn't matter what I think. I'm, so, I'm not supposed to say that as a preacher, what I think, what matters is what the Bible says. So let's go to the next point. The next point is 
Uh, what does self-righteousness do to us? What does this thing do to us? And I would submit this, that it blinds us from our need for mercy. Self-righteousness blinds us from our need for God's mercy. Because if I'm right, and I'm righteous through my performance, I don't need God's mercy. Contempt looks like when we say about someone else, notice the, the, uh, the Pharisee's line. Thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people. Whenever we say to ourselves, I'm so glad I'm unlike this person. It's a version of contempt kind of rising up within us. When we say things like, when we see someone's life and something going on, and we might say, well, that's weird. I would never do that. That's weird. I would never do that. Well, actually, really? Would you never do that? Would you never do a version of that? Have you really never done a version of that? If you walked in their shoes, grew up in their family, you would never do that? When we say things like, I just can't understand how anyone could do that, or those people just need to try harder, those people just need to try harder. Now, you know, there's actually a truth in, in James that says every good gift is from above. What's included in every good gift? Every good gift. You know, I think it's, you know, when you watch award ceremonies, I think there's something so refreshing about award ceremonies, at least when they're done right, and the person gets up, and you know, what do they do? They get up there, and they're like, it's so fun to watch, and they're like, going through the list of all the people they think, I want to thank my, my mom, and my, you know, kindergarten teacher, and my, you know, my tutor, and this, and that, and they just start listing off all these people. What's refreshing about that? It's like we all kind of instinctively know, yeah, that's right. You didn't get there just from pulling up your bootstraps. Like a lot of people helped you along the way. There's something fascinating about entitlement. You know, like my brother, he played, I didn't play football, but he did. And when he um, won state in high school, I remember getting up on the arm, the, the armrest in the Alamo Dome, like just going, I never cheered so much in my life. And I thought, I just won a state championship. I mean, why did he win that? Because of all the times I beat him up in the backyard playing football. I mean, I won a state champion. You know, like, we all kind of instinctively know, like, yeah, we're all a part, there's all these influences on our life that get us to where we are. But then at the same time, we're so inconsistent because we look at other people and we're like, well, I would never do that. I would never be like that person. Versus, God, I am what I am because of your grace and mercy. Thank you. It's your mercy. Whatever good things are happening in my life, I boast in you. We can be self-righteous, I think, about almost anything. We can be self-righteous about, obviously, religion. I do these moral things. Thank goodness I'm unlike those people who do those things. Um, work righteousness. Look at how hard I work. Thank you, I'm unlike those lazy people. Uh, family righteousness. My family has it together. I mean, look, my kids eat like all, you know, healthy stuff and we don't watch more than 10 minutes of cartoons every week. Thank goodness I'm unlike those people like the Zylers who watched a little bit too much, you know. 
parenting. We can even be self-righteous like toward our children. Like I, I can like, I'll find myself getting angry at my kids and having this attitude. I'm so glad I'm unlike them, you know, who are so impatient, you know, golly. But then I blow up in anger sometimes and I've just kind of condemned myself. Um, money. I have a lot of money, therefore I must be valuable and worth peop more people, like unlike those people over there. Cultural awareness, um, righteousness. I'm aware, I'm cool, I know what's in, I'm more valuable. Church righteousness. Man, I'm so glad I'm unlike those churches over there, you know, who do those kinds of weird things. We can be self-righteous about our physical appearance, health, Politics. I'm not going to get into that. I'll let these guys deal with that one. But we can be self-righteous about politics too. A big indicator is where is your contempt aimed? Where do you aim your who do you aim your contempt at? You look down and despise who? That is a revelation of where you're looking, where we are looking to our self-righteousness. Third point, why God's righteousness? Why do we need his righteousness? And why should we plead? Why should we do this? Well, what's the motivation for all this? I would say that one of the most negative effects of self-righteousness is fear and worry, which is very tiring. I would submit that self-righteousness is very tiring. You see, self-righteousness is an attempt to produce our own worthiness, our own importance and value through our efforts. I'm worthy because I do X. I'm important because I do X, etc. But whatever it is we're looking for, for worthiness, it doesn't work. It doesn't give us what we want. And so we're just constantly striving and, and working and kind of image management, like how tiring all that is, how much it wears us out. You see, the biblical uh, view of, of worry, it, it means to be on guard, to be on guard. Like you have like a fortress, which is your life, and you're on guard. You know, I got to protect myself. I got to keep myself safe. I got to, you know, I got to, I got to, you know, I got to work. When God actually invites us to say, I am your fortress, I am your deliverer, I am your rock, you can rest in me and I will take care of you. Cast your burdens onto me. And it's a struggle and it'll be a struggle all of our lives, but he's inviting us to say, hey, let me take care of you. And you're my child, I love you. By faith through grace, not because of anything you've done, I declare you righteous because of what Christ has done in his work, not your own. You know, Jim Carrey, he, he had re recently received some, I think like three Golden Globes or something, or two Golden Globes, it was two. And, I, I, you know, he's a witty guy. He, he, up, when he gets up front, he says, tonight I'm going to lay down Jim Carrey. Winner of two Golden Globes. He says, but I'm going to sleep tonight dreaming about being Jim Carrey, winner of three Golden Globes. It's like, even tonight, the two are worthless. I need three. 
He's just joking. He probably doesn't even care. But it just gets at that point. These, these awards, these things we're trying to attain. All good things. I mean, the, the list of things that we can be self-righteous about. Religion, work, family, parenting, children, money, culture, church, physical appearance, politics. All important stuff. All good things. Beautiful blessings from God. All things to be enjoyed. But when we make them our ultimate things, when we make them the thing that we worship, they drive us into the ground with worry and fear. Verses following the tax collector here into repentance. Repentance produces peace when he says, be merciful to me, God, a sinner. This is the path of peace. I can't guard and produce my own righteousness, but I can open my hands and receive it from the Lord. You know, there's a, a story in the book of John, and uh, it's, a, it's a very graphic story when you think about it, and I think it really captures well um, this parable lived out in real life, like something that Jesus actually did that displays this parable in real life, and it's the story of an adulterous woman. Jesus is teaching at a temple. Jesus is teaching at a temple. And a group of Pharisees, um, the religious leaders at this point, they're trying to catch Jesus. They don't like him. They're trying to catch him um, and messing up in something that he says that they can accuse him for. They bring to him in front of a bunch of people a woman who has just been caught in adultery. I mean, this is an intense image. I mean, she's just been caught in adultery, potentially in the very act, and they bring her right here and throw her on the ground in front of Jesus. And they basically, they ask this question. They, or they say, the law of Moses says that we should stone her. What do you say? The law of Moses says we should stone this woman. What do you say? Now, what they're trying to do here is to catch Jesus with, with, with something. If he says, oh no, don't stone her, then that communicates he's anti-law. He's anti-law. He doesn't have a standard. What's wrong with this guy? You know, he doesn't have a standard for right and wrong. If he says don't stone her, he's anti-law. But if he, affir if he says don't stone her, or if he affirms the stoner, that the stonier, he's anti-grace. They're trying to catch him between law and grace. If they stone her, stone him. If they stone her, a lot of stoning going on here. No one's stoned here, okay? We're talking about throwing rocks. You get what I'm saying? He's, they're trying to catch him in between anti-law and anti-grace. Here's how Jesus responds. He writes something on the ground. We don't know what he writes. And he says, let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. It's very fascinating. He says, throw a stone. Like he's, he's opening up the door for throwing a stone because he's not anti-law. Yeah, a stone deserves to be thrown here. A stone deserves to be thrown, but who can throw it? It says, if any of you here is without sin, then go ahead. Who here is without sin? Go ahead and throw the stone. 
And so what do they do? They have to walk away. They walk away. I mean, I think for us, I think it's fair to say, imagine a group of people bring before us a greedy politician or, you know, an unjust judge or an indulgent person that, you know, some of us may despise or whatever. A, a, a legalist, you know, I mean, we can even be pharisaical, pharisaical and legalistic about being a Pharisee, being a legalist, being self-righteous. I mean, I can be like, oh, look at this self-righteous person. I'm so glad I'm unlike this self-righteous person. I mean, like imagine bringing someone here, whoever it is that we may despise and look down on. And Jesus is saying, in a sense, go ahead and throw a stone. But if you have ever lied, if you have ever lusted in your heart, if you have ever done anything, you have lost your right to do it. I like to imagine this, you know, this is not in the Bible, this is just me imagining. But I like to imagine that the woman, this woman later, either sees the events of Jesus' crucifixion or hears the gospel preached after Jesus dies on a cross and comes back from the dead and how it might make sense to her. How is it that I wasn't stoned? How is it that I was not killed that day? How is it possible for God to be merciful to me? How is it possible for God to be merciful to any of us? Because Christ Jesus, the Lord, took the punishment we all deserve on the cross. He took the almighty wrath of God that we all deserve on the cross, shed his blood, allowed his body to be broken. Now, if we want to grow in being a person who's less self-righteous and more humble, more like the tax collector, less like the Pharisee, less a person who looks down with people with contempt. The ultimate place to look is the cross of Jesus, where we see that we were so bad, Jesus had to die. If I was the only person left on earth, if I was the only person that ever lived, and I lived the life that I have lived, Jesus would still have had to die on the cross. This is the beauty of the gospel, that he has made a way for us to not be stoned. He has made a way for all of us to be set free, that we can receive God's mercy. And we're about to take of the meal, and that's what this is all about, is coming down here to receive God's mercy and grace in a tangible way. Let me pray, and then we'll enter into that part of our worship service. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.